Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday and French fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Hey guys, it's Jackie Zabrowski and Page 7 and Wizard and the Bruiser are going back on tour with the Release the Butthole Cut Tour. We're coming to your town. Hold it. Where are we going? Salt Lake City, Denver, Colorado, Las Vegas. We're going to Portland, Oregon, Tacoma, Washington, Oklahoma City, Kansas City, and St. Louis, Missouri. Where can they find tickets, MJ? For tickets, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. What's that again? Lastpodcastnetwork.com. Hell yeah. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. Side stories. That's when the cannibalism started. Side Side stories. stories. (laughs) Yes. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kisselier hanging out with Henry Zabrowski. You don't know me. I do. You've never known me. You've Did, never asked the real questions. Today's You've never episode. really buried in. You just think time spent. But we are. Oh, you got to interview me, man. Fantastic. Today's episode is a very special one. We are honored to be joined by Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp. They have a podcast called Weaponized. Henry and I have a fantastic conversation with them. I know you guys are going to love it. Learn a lot about UFOs. And uh, just speaking to two people who have been uh, in this field for a long time. So, Enjoy the conversation, and we'll see you on the other end. Live from your grave. All right, Ben, hanging out with Henry today. We are so honored to have with us two absolute legends in the field of ufology. It's George Knapp and Jeremy Corbell. Their new podcast, Weaponized. Make sure to check that out. Thank you guys so much for being on the show. Glad to be here, gents. Thanks for inviting us. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. It's a true honor. I can't believe it. Honestly, I've because like Jeremy, I've loved your work and like what you brought to the new world of ufology and kind of like it's kind of like neo ufology. I feel like it's finally starting to get like taken serious. You know what I mean? Like it's starting to it's less the X Files theme is played less on the news. Yeah, but I next to these stories. It's a it's an interesting time. I mean, look, I think like you and like a lot of people. It's a super fascinating topic, but we didn't always have the ground that we're standing on now where there's all these acknowledgements. So it's a kind of interesting time to just be involved in this subject. You know, it's crazy. And and then George, I was like, I've been hearing your voice for so long because I'm a coast to coast head. Mm -hmm. I've been so deep that it's like, it's so nice that finally, and I will say seeing it over Zoom, your office is exactly what I hoped it would look like. It is, for the audience that can't see, it is just, this is a real ufologist office. It is, is, documents are everywhere. Documents are everywhere. Files, files, files. I definitely know where you're going to die. It's so interesting. (laughs) When it comes to ufology, you guys have been doing this for so freaking long. And as Henry said, now it's mainstream. How does that make you feel? Because for us as like horror nerds, sometimes... When everyone gets a hold of it, they fucking ruin it and they make everything something. And you're like, we've been studying this for 50 years. Just listen to us. And they still don't. It's kind of a mix for me. I mean, when I started out uh, in this back in the dawn of time, 33, four years ago, you know, my my main goal was to try to try to organize it to, the, you know, you look at the UFO field and back then as today, it's a mess. I figured, give me six months and I'll have this all shaped up here, figured out. Well, you know, three decades later, I we still don't have answers to any of the big questions. But one of my goals back then was to 
try to get my fellow journalists to take it seriously because it was even worse then than it is now as, you know, it didn't get much serious coverage and mostly it would play the X-Files theme or Mm -hmm. E.T. phone home and and make jokes about funny UFO people wearing tinfoil hats. Uh, So that has happened to a large degree. But it's kind of a mixed blessing, I guess. Uh, So many new people are in it. Uh, So many new journalists are now taking it seriously, mainstream media outlets taking it seriously. And you can see the learning curve for a lot of them. I'm really glad that they're finally paying attention to it. But there is a steep learning curve, as you guys really well know. Uh, You have it takes time to get your head around this stuff and to figure out who the players are, what's true, separate wheat from chaff. And it's, you know, it's a daunting task. George, I have to ask. So you said you were like, you got into it. You're like, eight months, I'll write a book. We'll move on to uh, the Kennedy assassination. <laughs> would you have gotten into ufology if you would have known what a long, strange path this is? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm not sure. I mean, it certainly changed the course of my life. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think probably I would have ended up being an anchorman somewhere, maybe working for a network. And I think the my interest in this subject kind of put a cap on my career. There's only so far I could go. Believe but, me, uh, I understand. I've, yeah. I've felt the cap as well. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That has nothing to do with your love of <laughs> aliens, Henry. That is a pure talent-based criticism. Prejudice. There's some prejudice <laughs> in Hollywood against me. But, you know, it's exciting. I, I mean, I never thought I would live to see this day where Congress, members of Congress are speaking openly about it, calling for hearings, demanding answers, calling yeah. uh, Pentagon people on the on the carpet where they acknowledge there are actual investigations underway. They acknowledge previous programs. And we're we're on the cusp of some really big breakthroughs, I think, that we can talk about in the next hour or so. Absolutely. Um, and Jeremy, too, because you volunteered. Because you went from, you were an artist, and then you jumped into ufology. Yeah. Did you not see, because we talk about it on the show all the time, about how ufology ruins lives, that people yeah. get involved. It's always, you know, ufology kills love. It destroys love. I don't know why. I don't know what happens. So, like, why did you end up, like, what was your jump from, like, just, because you were an artist, right? Like, you did video art and stuff like that, and then you jumped into ufology. I feel like there's two things you can tell your current wife to make sure she leaves you. Number one, I want to get into stand-up comedy. Number two, ufology. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we, we got a tip jar in the house. And anytime I say podcast or UFO, I'm putting money in it. You know? so she's, she's a wealthy woman. Uh, you know, I, I didn't think about it from the perspective of it's going to ruin my life. You know? yeah, sure, sure. Of course. Not, I, I yeah. thought about it like I, I had always had this kind of uh, guilty pleasure of wanting to know, you know, honestly, is was Bob Lazar telling the truth? That That's all. I, yes. That's where I started. Mm-hmm. I was just like, if what he described is true then the aspect of distance no longer matters. We know there's intelligent life in the universe. We know probably with more time to advance than, than here on planet Earth, but that doesn't mean they're they're coming here. You know, I, I bought into the idea that distance was the ultimate limiter, that the speed of light was the ultimate limiter. Mm. So even though there's a universe that has probably just teeming with life, there's no way that yeah. anybody is coming those distances. And, and then I realized from what Bob Lazar said, if what he said is true, mm-hmm. then the distance, the idea of distance is, is completely irrelevant. So that was kind of my gateway drug into UFOs, but it was always just something I personally was interested in, wouldn't talk mm-hmm. about. I was a martial athlete. That's all I ever did. But then one day, and I, I say this kind of seriously, like I got weaponized, dude. I got, I went from like, oh, passive, just consume information to like, no, I want to fucking find out. Yeah. And, and that was started the road of moving from the the art career that you talked about, which is really just necessity. I got really sick, but it was just turning from that, grabbing a camera. I realized my camera was my passport. People would say shit to me. I couldn't believe they wouldn't tell their family, their wives, all of a sudden they're right. spilling beans to me. I was like, that's powerful. Whatever this object is in my hand, even if I turn it on or not, it's like there's something about it. And so that was, for me, really getting into is just personal interest. I never knew I'd report on this stuff, especially with George. I had no idea I was going to do that. I just wanted to learn. That's fascinating. The the one word that stood out to me during that uh, statement you you were making is the word if. Because isn't that the ultimate crutch of all of this? If they're telling the truth, this who is, is lying? Question, and isn't that this is a real question I have too? I'm yeah. along these lines, where you're like, 
okay, you looking for the center of a question that, it, you know, you start off on this question of like Bob Lazar is a perfect example, right? Where it's like even of a chunk, even 2% of what he says is real. It opens up a whole world, like an alternate history to right. the United States of America, all this type of shit. But like when you're constantly circling, like I was listening to your recent episode where you talked about the UFO, the guys going, the, the crash retrieval guy, like talking about like, like how do you suss out? What is real? What is yeah. not? How do you get to the center of that circle? Like after all of these years and like, or, or do you, is that, is that literally that spiral? The reason why everybody goes insane right. in the middle of May of, of working on these subjects. Let me put it this way. I, you know, I've, I put this question to some of the, the best minds in the world who've investigated this subject matter over a longer period of time than I have. Is it knowable? Can we get solid answers? They all seem to think yes, but we still don't have it. All the biggest questions from when I started more than three decades ago, we can't answer any of them. Where are they from? Why are they here? What's their interest in us? What's the nature of the relationship between humans and whoever they are? Are they extraterrestrial or something else? I mean, there are a lot more exotic uh, combinations and explanations that are now on the table that were not part of the conversation when I started. But back then it was, you know, the dominant paradigm was if they're aliens, then they're in fact space aliens. They're extraterrestrials. Mm. They're jumping in spaceships and coming here and visiting Earth from somewhere else. But as we know now, there are a lot more exotic possibilities and there might be more than one answer. The fact is, we don't have any answers to the big questions. Even if there are crash retrievals, if there are spacecraft stashed in some uh, Lockheed um, uh, warehouse somewhere, yeah. uh, it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to be able to prove it came from Zeta Reticuli or interdimensional or, or as a time traveler. I'm, I'm not sure that anybody knows the answers to any of this stuff. Well, you mentioned Lockheed Martin and obviously, again, weaponized the name of the podcast. What do you think, Jeremy, when it comes to the fact that perhaps these large corporate oligarchs might be uh, in control or, uh, you know, have their hands on this technology? Isn't that kind of scary? Yeah, I mean, you know, here's the deal, man. There, I Today, I know more than I did yesterday. So I agree with George, like maybe some stuff is unknowable. But my motivation is that today I, I do know more than I knew yesterday. And I'm confident mm. with that information. Not all of it, you know, is, is public. We report on maybe 1%, 2% of what it is that we do looking into these things, trying to suss out, like you're talking about what is reliable information, what is not. We've been exposed to a lot of information. Yeah. But what we can report on is stuff we feel really, you know, strong about. So, you know, look, I, these, it is fact. It is just fact. Whether or not we can prove that or whether or not you uh, believe that, that there are aerospace corporations and just Department of Defense contractors that have programs to study UFOs. And some of them are hardware programs. And that's just fact. Mm. You don't have to take my word for it. I don't expect you to. I, I do find it interesting, not scary, but interesting that that's the route in which, you know, our study of this stuff has taken. It's very obvious. One of the reasons is so that you can't FOIA or Freedom of Information Act mm -hmm. requests about this stuff. It's also a way to keep privacy. Remember in the Cold War, during this time period, when some of these events occurred, we're trying to straight up, there was a race and there is a race to try to, if you buy into the basic idea that there's a technology from unknown origin to try to reverse engineer this stuff for an advantage, a technological advantage. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah. that is fact. Now, if, the, if, if, you know, consensus reality catches up with that fact, that's an interesting day. Yeah. So I do understand why there was the secrecy and why these programs were stovepiped into these technology realms through private corporations. It makes absolute sense. Sure. But I do think we're living in a different era now. And the transparency yeah. that is needed now is different than was what was needed back then. Yeah. Well, as an old, like a conspiracy head, right? Because you guys, I this is a couple of questions I want to throw in that realm too, of like, where do you fall in those worlds? In my mind, immediately, now that the U.S. government is sort of coming out and saying, all right, now we're actively, we're doing it out loud. We're right. researching this out loud. We're going to show you guys how to do this as arrow. We're going to do this stuff. My first instinct is like, these fuckers are just going to, now they just, just 
they get to do it out loud and and still not tell us anything. And like now they get to just kind of like be under yeah. their own blanket of security. Like why why should we trust them more? Why should we trust the U.S. government government more now than before? Yeah. And that's it's almost, my question. It's almost easier for them to manipulate and lie in public. Agree. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, I think that. Uh, it, it, the the truths that Jeremy is ta- telling about, some of that is going to come out, but it's hard to tell only part of the story. Can you say we've got flying saucers and not spill the rest of the beans about where they came from? Um, it's going to be hard. And there are implicit, intrinsic national security issues involved with this. As our, our friend Jay Stratton, who headed the UAP task force, had said to me privately and now publicly, you can't tell your friends without telling your enemies. Uh, mm. This technology, all you got to do is have one of them. If we could build one of them and fly it, we win. That's it. If we get mm. it first, we win. Uh, it's the ultimate weapon system. And uh, it's always going to be that way. There is always going to be a race for this kind of technology between us, China, Russia, maybe some other players as well. So they're going to have good reasons for holding back a lot of the, the story on now and into the future. It's so fascinating because I wonder about that. That's like one of those where you're like, because I believe on some level, they believe they have something that is somewhere in a hangar. That's all you guys have been talking about for years. Obviously, somebody's got something somewhere. But I guess that's where like, I want to get to eventually. What did we just do? What did we just shoot out of the sky? And why does that? How does that all fit into all of this new new world of shit? Live from your grave. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse picks. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest and... I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine. And it's an addiction. And it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God, I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. Hi, 
Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs, and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt, and I love planting things myself. And fast-growing trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. And I didn't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Let's definitely get to current events here in a second. But when it comes to, obviously, Weaponized, again, the name of your podcast, uh, Mr. Knapp discussing how they want to make a weapon out of this. Is there what what weapon? Uh, because, you know, when it comes to UFOs, when it comes to all of the abductions and the stories that Henry has enlightened me to over the years, it doesn't seem like there's some big, I don't know what weapon is even being used. Why, why, is it, why does it have to be a weapon? It's a great question. So, look... If you look back at the origin of all of this stuff, what we're talking about are, are materials that were fabricated in a way that was unknown to us, right? So think of atomic layering, metamaterials. But if you really go back to the core story of what Bob Lazar told you, whether you believe it or not, just think about that story. He was talking about a device that could produce gravity. This is a device that literally could produce gravity. Wow. And he made a couple statements like on the Joe Rogan podcast that if yeah. you could do this, if you could produce gravity, everything in science fiction automatically becomes reality. You have, you know, force fields, laser, you know, weaponry. So the idea of if this is true, if you have devices that can produce gravity, a gravitational lensing weapon, a directional gravitational weapon is the most destructive weapon of mass destruction humanly possible. It wow. doesn't mean it doesn't mean that the craft themselves are weapons, but it does mean that the application of that technology to produce gravity is instantaneously classified at the level of uh, weapons of mass destruction. And I think George and I can both tell you that from our private conversations and what we do know for sure is that our government is taking the UFO topic or puzzle on the level of, of weapons of mass destruction. Like that is wow. legitimate. That is fact. We know that to be true. So they also believe that there, that we have hardware that represents this uh, ability to produce gravity. Well, we better, we better send Hans Blix in there. We, he's got to find these weapons of mass destruction and we need another 20 year war against Saturn. <laughs> What's your reaction to things? So like current events, things are getting shot out of the sky. We didn't know what they were. Well, you know, our our stance was literally it was either garbage that they accidentally blew up or it was some kind of private tech that they don't want to say that was floating around that's unregulated. And that's why they swept it out. But there's this also kind of concept that we're in some form of drone Cold War, that we're in some kind of arms race for this. Like, what is it? What, what's the term? Is it intermedium or transmedium travel? Transmedium. Like the, yeah. And. So what's your take on this? Because we, we talked a little bit as we we talked on the show about we kind of watched live the messaging systems of various intelligence agencies play out mm -hmm. on on the news. Like you watch them try to figure out how to say it and what to do. And so you it's kind of an education and and like how they handle something like this or how they would handle something like this. But 
Like, what's your, like, not to kind of open it that far, but what's your take on what we just experienced and how does it translate? Because I feel, you know, that the Chinese has something like that, right? They'd be using it a lot more often. But I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't, I don't know. Okay, so, <clears throat> look, man, the idea of Chinese spy balloons coming over the U.S. is, is not a new idea. That's no. something that's been happening for decades and decades. It, mm. it was very much theater. It was my impression because of what George and I kind of know about this is that that was theater. The idea that we pop a balloon with a missile. I mean, it, it was it was pretty crazy. I also saw this messaging that was kind of twisted. It was almost like a baiting of like, hey, this is stranger than balloons. And yes. we didn't buy it for a second. Of course not. It was like, this is not how disclosure is coming. This is not what's happening. There's no way. This is and, not. Yeah. And people that, that worked on national defense that George and I know regarding the UAP or UFO topic straight up said to us, if this was one of the real ones, it would never be on the news. So it made mm. me really look at it differently. Like, what is the message that is being said? Right. We always said it's going to be balloons. This is ridiculous. They said they changed the radar to include like smaller objects. We identified one as like a school project. George and I were kind of laughing, to be honest with you. We, we were in one of our episodes just kind of laughing about it. I bet your phones were just exploding. Like, it's <laughs> yeah, the thing where you just thought, you're like, I don't know. I just leave me alone. I'm trying <laughs> to have when a there's Saturday. A fucking, when there's a <laughs> celestial event, you know, just a normal thing. Our it was Valentine's Day so. weekend and people were messaging me. I can't even imagine. I was like trying <laughs> to have a romantic time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. But I mean, look, the, the bottom line is that these, these are known things that occur and we're getting better at reporting them. So a lot of what George and I obtain and release, we're releasing because they have been hidden, because they've been trying to use uh, certain mechanisms to obfuscate from the American public what it is that we do know. But we are very aware that there is a phenomenon that we're calling UFOs, for lack of any better term. It's maybe a bigger phenomenon that includes UFOs, mm -hmm. and that our government is hyper aware of a, a number of these assets, these machines that are in our air that are not balloons. They, they know what balloons are. Absolutely, they know when balloons have certain flight patterns, they go with the wind, okay? Yeah, so right. we're talking about things that, as you said, can be transmedium, can have extreme uh, flight maneuverability, can uh, come on and off of radar, almost like as if it's at will, which is something that, you know, Commander David Fravor, Commander Chad Underwood, with the TikTok UFO case, it was very interesting that there was active jamming from the object or the UFO itself, meaning it had some sort of technological intelligence and leg up. These are things that are not readily wanting to be admitted. But the truth is yeah. this, these things are being seen on a daily basis with an increased frequency. And that's not just because we have altered and upgraded our radar systems. That's because there is an increase in frequency. So, so mm. here's the deal. what is going on. Who are the operators of these vehicles or these objects? It's been going on a long time, but right now we're trying to get a better reporting process. Ultimately, George and I won't be dropping these, you know, releases and stuff. People won't be coming to us, I hope, because that that kind of wounded method of reporting UAP with all of that stigma associated mm. will be annihilated and we can look this problem straight on. And that's what some people are trying to do. There's a lot of gamesmanship yeah. being played yeah. here. You know, for decades, the Pentagon has had sort of a don't ask, don't tell attitude about UFOs. They know, as everyone does, 90 to 95% of what's reported as UFOs are explainable, prosaic objects, balloons, trash, things of that sort. NORAD, for decades, would not look at that stuff. As long as alien spaceships are not incinerating American cities, they excluded all that stuff. They don't want to see it. It was that Chinese spy balloon made them change their sensors so that they'd start picking up more of this stuff. And then they played some games trying to explain all this away. Well, you know, this is really the fault of that UAP task force, why we aren't paying attention to Chinese spy balloons, uh, because, uh, you know, th their paranoia about UFOs and not wanting to hear about it and not wanting to answer questions about it has a lot to do with them ignoring a lot of other things that are flying around in the sky. Well, your work really pointed towards that idea that the, the just the concept that blew my mind of like a lot of these generals are Christian. They're very Christian. They're very like they're evangelicals. A lot of them. They're scared of the material. It freaks them out, which is that blew my mind. I didn't even think I forget about that. About like 
we talk a little bit on on last podcast as we go cover history about human elements and how like the humanity of the people involved in these situations seems to really also dr- it drives policy. So they are they don't want to poke that na- that bee's nest because they're afraid that literal demons are going to come out. That's what killed the OSAP program. So OSAP, the Advanced Aerospace Weapons System Application Program, that's the program that Terry Reid got $22 million for and funded. It ended up being the largest UFO program and investigation in the history of the U.S. government that we know of. They had 50 full-time investigators. A lot of that effort, as you know, dealt with Skinwalker Ranch. They had a secret study going on there after NIDS, after Bigelow's organization. They had government intelligence agents focused on that ranch. When the reports got out, when it got leaked that they were trying to establish a special access program, a SAP, Mm -hmm. to make OSAP sort of a permanent program off the books, that's when some of these generals and higher-ups in the intelligence community found out all the different aspects. This is not just UFOs. This is not looking at space aliens. This is demonic stuff and monsters and all kinds of weird stuff. They were worried, number one, that it would get out and and be a front page story in the New York Times, which it was sort of. Uh, Number two, they're worried about Satan. This is this is satanic. This is demonic. We can't study this stuff. It invites and invokes Satan and invites him into our lives as if he's not, if he's real, he's here already, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. You live in Vegas. Yeah, the one thing we know about religion is they'll just fold it in, right? So they'll, religions will never die. Uh, That is a, uh, they're amorphous and uh, aliens will be the next to save. They'll be saved as well in the, in the, in the blood. But when it comes to the Pentagon budget, George, 800 billion bucks, uh, Biden got more than he even asked for through your experience, through your years studying UFOs. Did you think that uh, the main research wing would come through the military budget and through the Pentagon budget? Or did you think there was going to be like, what did you how did you think this was going to look in a tangible sense? Yeah, I, I can see why if if all the stuff that came out that OSAP had been studying of all those papers, 99 percent of which the documents that were produced have not been made public yet. If that all came out, it would be a, a hard thing for the Congress to swallow. And they would they would ask some very tough questions about all the weirdness. But look, twenty two million dollars over two years, the 27 month period, they got an amazing amount of work done. Fifty full time investigators. They produced the world's largest UFO database in that time period. We still haven't the public still hasn't seen it. You can mm. do a lot for that much money. Look at what's going on right now with Arrow. The Department of Defense has had to been dragged kicking and screaming to go ahead and fund Arrow and to build up an actual staff. They've got three people. They made a big deal in this headline about <laughs> so establishing so, this wait, office. Hold oh, on. Boy. Hold, hold. Our yeah. network has more people working for yeah. it than yes. Arrow. Yeah, exactly. Why uh, do you and, think you know, that is? Is it because, uh, you know, dead people don't talk, I guess, or if they don't exist, they don't speak? Is it just to keep everything mum? Yeah, they really don't want to study this. Uh, the Congress had to force them to create Arrow, and then they dragged their feet for two years before they even <clears throat> hired somebody to work there. And they've got one guy and two staffers, and that's it, and and virtually no budget. Uh, so they, there's a big headlines all over the world about this new investigation, and they fund it like that, which is basically zero. The UAP task force before that had no full-time people. They had Jay Stratton, who was the head of that thing, yeah. and no staff. They gave them six months to write a report for Congress, and nobody was working on it full-time. They all had other full-time jobs. It was It's preposterous. That's interesting to me. Jeremy, I have a question. Just when it comes to cover-ups, we often think, oh, maybe just a bunch of people are working to cover something up. But isn't a cover-up also just not looking into it? Just having two janitors and someone making coffee, being like, "That's a f- isn't that also a form of a cover up?" Yeah, the B team. It's a Will Ferrell movie. You literally just like give. It's like let's Here give it go. to these idiots, and then all of a sudden, yeah, it's that's why they do it. I get. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, look, but by design, because a lot of these things needed to be protected by design. There's this overclassification process, which really it corrodes public trust. We've seen that. Things are overclassified. And so one of the methodologies of what we call or, or you're calling the cover-up is certainly just the pragmatic uh, mechanisms with which these things are studied. One of you know Bob Lazar's greatest gripes was that this is not being given to the most competent people. He was like, mm. I, admittedly, he's like, I'm not the most competent person you know, to study this. That really bothered him. And, and to this day, 
that bothers him. I understand that you can't just open up an atomic program to crowdsource it to the entire world because all those secrets right. come out. I, I get the, the basic premise, but there's always this level of you need to be honest with the people that you represent. And, and the honesty comes in, look, these events did happen. This is part of our reality. Of course, we're going to keep certain scientific things back and behind the curtain because they can be dangerous for national security. I get that. But the fundamental topic of that, look, we can now say UFOs are, are real in the sense that there are objects of unknown origin that do fly with impunity in our restricted airspace. And that's an important sentence mm. because, because that tells you there's a technology that's evading our national defense. So with that said, we can say UFOs are real. We don't know exactly what they represent to humanity. We know they've been here a long time. And we know that they tend to appear to display themselves as more technologically advanced than what we have. And we have eliminated that they're U.S. technology in most important cases, like the 2019 swarm events. That has been eliminated. They were not our technology. So whether you call them drones, UAS, unmanned aerial systems, UAP, I don't care. What we do know is that they weren't ours. And if not ours, whose were they? We've also eliminated they were not China or Russia or any technologically advanced nation that we know of currently. Hmm. So then comes the big question, which is that if they're not ours and they're not theirs, and by the way, at times we're both firing upon the same UAP, and that is yes. fast, and yes. we're going to report on that. George that was Ryan. really interesting. And when you talked about that, because that's that really points to it, we're like, Oh, so they're all shooting at the UAP. So it's not Correct. theirs either. Yeah, do, just do a little clip note on that if you could. Yeah. So look, uh, we're going to report a much bigger story to really emphasize this. You know, with imagery, we're going to be able to show people uh, exactly what it is that determines if you're going to fire upon one of these UAP. And it's it's so terrestrial, it's crazy. It's like, do these things appear to have a payload? Like, could it be carrying a bomb? Uh, do these things move within a proximity of like 30, 27 to 30 something miles within ground troops? It, it's very like normal reasoning why you'd fire upon them. But yeah. when you get multiple nations having crossfire over these things and the public doesn't know about it, that's a big deal. So we're going to report on that. I, I do think that it is, it kind of puts a pin in this idea that these aren't ours. So it, it opens the idea of, of what we need to find out. I'll give you another example. This is something we've already made public. Uh, 30 years ago, next month, I went to Russia for the first time. We found the guy who was in charge of the Russian UFO investigation, a 10-year-long oh. secret program uh, that had the entire Soviet military empire all reporting UFO incidents. Everybody, anybody sees a UFO, a ball of light, something strange, yeah. it all goes into one central location. And I found the guy that was in charge of it. He told me that in that 10-year period, they had 45 different instances where Russian warplanes went after UFOs. Three of those instances were Russian warplanes fired on those UFOs, and those three planes crashed, and two of the pilots died. Wow. Uh, so they, after that, they issued the order, look, if you see one of these things, leave them alone. They knew that we're studying it. We know that they're studying it. We're all, we're both sides are doing the same thing, trying to figure out the technology, and we haven't figured it out yet. I mean, it just sounds like two dogs at a dog park sniffing each other's butts. Yeah, it kind of does. It's kind of just checking it out. I guess. Yeah. And then do you think that maybe points to why, like now we have all this modern technology at our disposal and it, we're, we're heading towards this quote unquote, you know, UFO transparency. And but what you were saying about how like these groups are still though, like hesitant to actually jump into the subject. Do you think it's one because they just don't I do you think it's either because they truly just don't give a shit and they're or they're afraid like that side of it? Or is there another kind of practical end where like at some point they're going to ask for results from us? And yeah. I don't know how we're going to give that like I don't know how they're going to give us money. And then how do we tell all of them we've done something with the money? Right. Because if it because the as we know about the phenomena, it's tricky. It, there is a trickster element. It kind of makes us a lot of times I'm in the in the Jacques Vallée school where that thing is like sometimes it's trying to kind of make us look stupid in the act of like trying to capture proof of it. So maybe that is that a trap they're afraid to fall into and that that's and they don't want to deal with it. Like they, they don't want to talk about like this guy like from Russia who's they did a like that entire government, the entire series 
serious investigation. That's very. I, I, so why would you think? Is it really going to be something like that? Well, I've said a lot of times that I think the closer we, the public and Congress get to the goodies, meaning the craft and maybe the bodies, the tougher the pushback is going to be. Put it this way. If you had that technology, if you're a big aerospace company, you've had it stashed away, studying it, pull it out of the closet every couple of years and see if you can duplicate the technology. It's miracle technology. If you can figure it out, you rule the world. Would you give it back? I wouldn't. And right. I, I think we're a, we're a, we've come a long way in the last five years, but there's still a long way to go. And the next mile or so that we have to travel is going to be the toughest. Forcing yeah. them to give that, that stuff back assuming that Congress has the will to follow through on that is going to be really difficult. Well, and obviously with the red tape and just the way that the system is set up, it's really set up for a long process. And uh, of course, God knows when it comes to when they do release whatever it is, the word redacted uh, will be said <laughs> quite often. Live from your grave. How many platforms do I work on? So many platforms. Can you believe it? Google Docs. Work on that. Very complicated. Lots of different things going out. Clickety-clack, right? Slack. Saying things to my employees. All of my, all my, my main doldgers walking around here. It makes sure it changes cluck to the word I meant for it to say to everyone. But I try to say not curse words on Slack. What am I supposed to do about it? But Grammarly doesn't fix curse words, does it? Because Grammarly's too good for it. It's too classy. It's Grammarly is an AI writing partner that helps you get work done faster with high quality writing. Because better writing means a stronger impact. The pen is mightier than the sword. Except when the sword is in the room. 96% of Grammarly users report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing and suggestions based on your audience goals and context. Can you believe it? And data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly. It's in its goods. All right. So Grammarly's great. Use it. I use it. I love its gentle harassment of my writing style because it does help me because sometimes my thumbs are faster than my eyeballs. Don't quote me on that. Get AI writing support that works where you work. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Never. Silence is golden, especially when it comes to brakes. That's why Napa Silent Guard are built to be one of the smoothest and most quiet brakes on the market. Made with fiber-reinforced shims that eliminate noise for the life of the pad. Rubber-coated hardware for a better fit and quality design that meets and exceeds OE performance. Silent Guard brakes deliver the stopping power drivers demand. Available now at Napa locations nationwide. Well, just to sort of uh, blow it out just a little bit larger, when it comes to uh, why... Do you think that there's something uh, innately nefarious about what we're seeing in the skies, or is it peaceful? I mean, I guess what is he's it, Steve? a Stephen Greer apologist. I'm not. A, I don't even know. See, he's I said the word Stephen Greer, Greer one time, and then Henry was like, Stephen Greer. I was like, he, I don't know. He said that they were going to be nice, and I was like, oh, that seems cool because I'm stoned, and everyone else is like, they're going to kill no, you, no, and no. then they're going to take your double, eggs. He's selling us out. He's selling us out. I don't know, but either way, do you think they're going to... Are they here to kill us? <laughs> oh, you'd be dead, bro. <laughs> Thank you. So they are So they are here. They do come in peace. Unlike well, I, neutral. I don't know. I, I don't know. Look, there's there's so many paths you can go down. We haven't even answered the, the first question. Like, who are they is a great question. I don't know. I don't understand 
you know, what we're actually dealing with. And anybody that tells you that they do are full of shit. I mean, straight up full of shit. You know, you got to kind of be warned about that in, in kind of your own life, which is that anybody that says they're an expert in UFOs and people like label us that and we laugh because yeah. there is no expert in UFOs, you know, unless you've had some sort of long going contact. But, you know, it reminds me just because we're having fun right now, totally theoretical. It, it, it reminds me of a couple of different stories. So one is Childhood's End, which is a book by Arthur C. Clarke. If you haven't read it, it's super cool to read. One of the reasons I, I, I thought this is an interesting metaphor is because in this book, you've got these ships that, that hover, just hover there over major cities for generations to acclimate people to the fact that there are these other beings. And, and why did they do that? They had a little problem, which is that they physically appeared to what we would call demons, you know, forked tails, red mm. bodies, horns, <laughs> you know, a little bit of a problem when you're trying to be socialized. So, so there's <laughs> now one my, the, my name is Blurb, and I am here to be a financial advisor. Yes, <laughs> I look like a demon. People are screaming be, and running around. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, so it's like there's one aspect to it, which is like the idea that there is a long, because we know the UFO phenomenon is this long, ongoing thing. So, part of my mind when I'm just kind of having fun, drinking beers with some friends, you know, is thinking, well, maybe there's this long acclimation process of just, you know, inspiring us to look one step ahead. And you notice that with UFO reports is that the technologies seem to be just beyond what we have at the time, almost like check us out. This is something you should be aware of. So that's one theory is that there's this, you know, benevolent kind of program that I call the techno terrestrial, the idea that we are trying to be led towards an, a, an agenda of increasing our ability to be a technological hub for a much larger program. And that's a really cool kind of thought experiment, this idea that we're just kind of being nurtured. Humanity is being nurtured, possibly even seeded, you know, in our genetics and DNA, which people have talked about, all mm. of those crazy things. It's a cool thought to have because everything is on the table right now because we don't know shit. But then right. the other side, the darker side, you know, That's we, my view. My view. Yeah, yeah. My we, world. Yes. We raise cattle. And what do we do? We give them antibiotics if they're sick. We feed them food. We take care of them. But they are our food. Right. And so that is another kind of way that people look at this matter. If you talk to military people, their just default position is this is prepping the battlefield. And so that's that's their ideas, not mine. I want to be really clear on yeah. that. I'm just talking out my ass right now. Sure. But, but what I am saying is that you can look at it either way. The public likes to say, we can handle the truth. I hear it every day. <laughs> Why don't they tell us the truth? We can handle the truth. And I think if the ultimate truth is these are space aliens, extraterrestrials popping in and out to see this weird drive-in movie theater drama that's called humanity, right. we're ready for that because we've been conditioned for that. But ultimately, the truth might be much stranger and much more disturbing than that. Let's say we are, the evidence becomes clear that we have been genetically manipulated and, and engineered over, over eons, over millennia, that they had a hand in creating the modern uh, human race. I think a lot of people would have a real trouble swallowing that. God is yeah. a space alien, not a big bearded guy in the sky. Uh, right. What if they are here and we are an experiment um, that, that is ultimately, they're, they're harvesting us for something else, if not food, souls, something like that. We have something they don't need or that we're just an experiment. And when their experiment's done, poof, right. we go away and they start it over again. And there's a lot of disturbing possibilities that have been raised by the experiences on Skinwalker Ranch that suggests manipulation of human events on a mass scale. Uh, you know, the evidence is not real clear, but but there is evidence that that they've been messing with us for a long time. They obviously have not attacked our, our cities like with giant laser beams a la Independence Day. Right. They could. The technology yeah. that they have shows that they could. So what is their time scale? What is their time frame? What's the ultimate? Where is this experiment leading? There's some pretty dark possibilities, and I'm not sure that people are ready for that. I, I don't think right. that we are, ultimately. Skinwalker Ranch was just such an ultimate, because of all the other stories that we've covered over the years, and you guys have covered over the years, this, I always kind of view it as like there's a neutrality to them, where they they really are, uh, you know, you hear from abductees and experiencers, and these guys talk about how, like, they always say, like, 
This is just an experiment. Like the way they they message to them, be like, this is for your own good. We're trying to make the we're trying to create this bridge. But Skinwalker Ranch was one of those places where you're like, oh, this is actually, this is like a nasty thing. This is like mm. a nasty thing. And do you think that that, this is, again, we're all talking out of our asses. Do you think that, I, I think it's got a psychic component. Like the phenomenon obviously has some kind of psychic component. Do you think it's kind of like, it? what comes out of it is what you feed it? Like, do you think that something like with Skinwalker Ranch where like that kind of came, like it almost kind of gave into the negative energy and then people sort of like, and that maybe even, because we have friends that do various paranormal research stuff and that even something like NIDS could have inspired the phenomena itself to be hyper aggro. Like, do you think that, that, that there's anything else that you've heard in your time that would point towards that or? I don't think so, because that phenomena, that intelligence there has been there a long time, way before NIDS. Yeah. It's been there yes. much, much longer than yeah, that. The and Uinta are, Basin has always yeah. been like this hot spot. Yeah. And there are other places around the world that are like that. Uh, you know, the, whatever the intelligence is that's there plays games. And it seems to at times feed off mm. of fear. It didn't kill any humans that we know of, but it sure as hell bl obliterated cows and dogs and cats and other animals messed with horses, it seemed to get a kick out of scaring the hell out of the humans who were there. Uh, and it suggests that maybe there's more than one intelligence operating here, that there are uh, teenage pranksters and uh, maybe evil alien forces of some sort, and as well as some benevolent presence that mm -hmm. uh, has our, our own best interest at heart. It, it, again, it goes down to it might be more than one answer. Yeah, I was thinking so the majority of reports that are sent in to me and people just telling me their story and not wanting other people to know it just so that they get it off their chest, I'd say 99% of them, the, their UFO encounters are like a car crash. It, it has nothing to do with what you're thinking. It has nothing to do with your intent or your will or your awareness. It is a shocking event for a lot of people, whether you believe them or not, that is 90% or more of what's reported to me is these instantaneous collisions with this unknown thing. So I begrudgingly do say that the evidence suggests that there appears to be some connection to consciousness. I, I don't understand what that is. I am not in that field. I don't understand it. Now, is it because that, that, that awareness is being played off of and manipulated? I don't know, but I just know that 99% mm -hmm. is people that just have these car crash experiences, but people that do kind of project an intent with these things. I mean, look, I've asked to see a UFO almost every night. I looked up at the stars. It's and, all I do. It's all I yeah. do. No, never, never and answers the, one, the door. Yeah. The one time I saw something that is un, you know, absolutely not something I could explain had nothing to do with my intent, but, but all of a sudden it's like, you have to wonder by these reports, is there that connection? So like, like you're saying that you're, Henry, you you believe there to be some conscious, I, I can't rule that out. There's sure. a consciousness aspect to it at all, especially because of what we know from the ranch. Well, and let's bring it back to more of a tangible human conversation um, when it comes to how can this be used by governments across the world? Obviously, there's been a large conversation as we get away with, uh, you know, money, a currency is becoming digital. Uh, when it comes to one world governments, uh, people that are in control, the power, uh, the um, the uh, group of people that control things have become smaller and smaller and smaller. Do you think that this phenomenon can be used to create things like a one world government to create things or a uh, sort of paranoia amongst society? Amongst now citizens? we're in coast to coast. This is a proper full coast to coast episode. <laughs> Do you think that it's possible that this can be used by again human beings who crave power over other human beings for horrible horrible reasons? Sure. I mean no question about it. It can be used to scare the hell out of us, you know. Once they finally acknowledge it and start having an, an open conversation about it, it could certainly uh, scare us and get us to do things that we might not otherwise do. Just like the the threat of war with some other uh, superpowers has been used to manipulate us. The technology itself, somebody gets control of that. Let's say it's not the U.S. government that gets it. What if the Chinese get it first? What if a private company gets it first and doesn't decides it's not going to give it back? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can see a lot of dis different kind of dark possibilities out there. And, and fear is a powerful motivator. And th this is scary stuff. 
Yeah, George and I really have defended against being part of a mechanism like that, if indeed a mechanism like that exists. And oh, so I mean, we have a fight. This is a verbal confirmation. You're not CIA. Correct. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. Very, okay. Oh, that's fine. I'll have to take Sounds like something a CIA agent. <laughs> I, I know there's so many rumors about out there because I, seeing it from the outside, I was actually talking with my wife about that. Seeing it from the outside, like how do these guys get all these fucking videos? You know, how do they do it? You know, obviously somebody from within the government is giving that to them. And, and the, the deal is actually it's 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 fucking hard work. And I see yeah. myself as very fucking charming. So the, the deal is this. <laughs> We, we really do, and I really, I think this is important. I don't think we've ever said this publicly, but like we really defend against being part of an unknown mechanism that is trying to manipulate public awareness about UFOs. And the way that we defend against that is that we will obtain numerous uh, versions of the same assets, the same videos, the same storylines, the same documents, and we'll make sure that it comes from unknown people to each other from various sources. Of course, we'll go proactively start poking around. But the idea is we don't just take something that's given to us and jump out and frivolously say something like, these were pyramid in shape, talking about the 2019 events. Yes. Obviously, optically, there's there's a lot of issues with that footage and people have brought sure. those to light, but that doesn't mean that they have all the information. When George and I say something like that, it's because we have been exposed to information that is not public at this time. We don't just frivolously say that. And also we're not, we weren't there on those ships, but we've talked to more witnesses than any intelligence agency, you know, within the United States mechanisms. We know that for sure. And, and because there are so many different forms of, of this uh, footage or, or optical information, we can say, look, whether the public wants to believe it or not, there's truth to that original report. So we defend against the idea of being utilized or manipulated to create a narrative that is untrue. And we do that to the best of our ability. You never know, but I can tell you for sure, Henry, I wish I was getting a paycheck from the CIA. That's what I was saying. It's like, I want the <laughs> benefits. I wanted the be I would take the benefits. But no, it it is very, because I know that what you're saying, I know what you're saying because I just know from the stuff that I've received over the years, I can't imagine the stuff that you have received. I'm yeah. very excited for the full report on the Baghdad Phantom because I do think that's also very, very, very compelling, very interesting, a full on solid log shooting across the sky is looking it's bad as well, great let's, let's tell your audience something about that maybe that hasn't been you know public yet or hasn't really been like told which is so what you're talking about george and i we we called the, the baghdad phantom mm -hmm. and it was designated uap by the air force which is super interesting because we have because they don't really they don't fuck around with this stuff right like well, the air force. silence right. it's been so they have not participated in a lot of the things they should have participated in with with programs such as uh, the UAPTF, the UAP task force or arrow. So there was been a real void and a silence, but I, I want to say we didn't ourselves label it a UAP. We didn't ourselves label it even the Baghdad phantom. Those came from file names within classified servers of the air force. That's what Ooh, they that's designated awesome. them. And so, so that's wow. what's important. I'm sh we are showing you in the 2019 events, which we have really cracked open, like if you listen to episode two of Weaponized, like we have definitively busted the debunkers on what they were saying. So what we're doing is we're reporting to the best of our knowledge what we know our government is doing, and we're providing imagery and evidence yeah. to try to crowdsource it and get it information. So with the Baghdad Phantom, the reason why George and I put it out is because multiple sources identified to us that there was a problem, that this stuff was being hidden by the Air Force, that it was being put into these little special archives that would never go to Central Command or the, or even to Arrow. So we wanted to let our government know, as well as let the people know who are interested in this, that these are real unidentifieds, that they, that they track these things, that if you look at the image, which it's hard to discern a thermal image, this is not an optical right. image, like in the normal sense, you're seeing heat signature, but what you're not seeing in that set of seven Im or six images is you're not seeing reactionary propulsion. So that is definitive. There's nothing shooting out the back to go forward. That would be white hot because it's filmed in white hot. You would see a big plume of exhaust. 
So th- this image or this set of images, I feel very strongly that, that it is going to over time mature into public consciousness where they start to understand the importance. But at the same time, it's already being pushed up to central command, to arrow, to all the people that should have been given to in the first place, which I think is healing a little bit of that divide of why wasn't it set up to us? Was it stigma? Was it off mission? Why? Yeah. Interesting. I know I'm excited for the full thing, but so let me then just even that said, like maybe a good like wrap up question is like, you guys have a, you're in this world, you're in this ufology world, like not to get too personal, obviously, but this must really affect your life. Like I was listening to George, even the last episode talking about like being literally the, 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 you are watching the government watch you, you know, your phones are tapped, you know, that they're following you around. How does that wear you? Does, is that just because you've been an investigative journalist for so long? Like you got mm-hmm. like a thick skin, like you just don't give a shit or do you like it? Do you like that they're coming for you? Cause it shows that you're doing it. Right? Like, how do you deal with like, cause I'm certain you guys must, cause you're trying to actively do an active UAP investigation out loud, right? Like do not get hit up from all sides from all weird sorts of characters. And stuff. Like how does that affect you as a, as a person through these years of working on this subject? I know that in the beginning, uh, when I realized that my phones were being tapped and there's no way they went to a judge and got the okay to do that. When I was being followed around, um, people are, are trying to intimidate witnesses who's offered to talk to me. It really pissed me off. I mean, it just seemed co- so completely over the top and outrageous. Now, you know, we've been accustomed, all of us, to believe that every electronic communication, every email and, and cell phone call goes into some gigantic NSA database is all scooped up and put on supercomputers. We've all sort of been conditioned to deal that. I know at the beginning, it really ticked me off. Uh, it has certainly affected my life in, in profound ways that I assume that everything that I'm saying and doing uh, is being monitored. Um, it, it ultimately is maybe scarier than what the ultimate UFO truth is, yeah. is that, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. these are humans. We know the bad things they can do for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I would say that, you know, you ask me, how does it personally affect you? I think about like Bob Lazar, how he, these days, he is so overly uh, directed about the words he says because they've been so picked apart. It's not really our government. I've never been, you know, resisted, only assisted. I can still say that pretty much where George has had a different experience. It's more the attacks you know, from the UFO fanatics. I mean, oh, I yeah. get it. I get yeah, it. I but it's like these personal attacks. Like, I definitely don't let, you know, my wife, you know, see the social media comments if I can't. Like, she's just not on that shit. But it's like, they're horrible stuff. But look, our friends have been raided unjustly by different agencies. Uh, three people that we just talked about in a, in a recent episode. And that's real. Yeah. Luckily, George and I got nothing to hide. So it's really good that we are on the right side of journalism and we stay on the right side of the law when it comes to the reporting that we do. Also, we have been directly notified that the the information is not that our government is against what we're doing as journalists. Our government is more concerned about foreign nations' access to our lives. I found that to be really interesting interesting because these are good people in government trying to get to the bottom of the real hole that we have in our national defense when it comes to the UAP topic and UFOs. And and we have been, George and I have been informed that this is the concern. It's just other foreign nations not stopping us, but trying to get stuff before we vet it and make sure it's safe to put out. So I don't know. The question is, does it wear you down? I mean, I am, uh, I think George and I are both resilient people to, to begin with. And also I'm Maybe I'm a little bit of a, a psychopath or I don't know what you call it, but like, I don't really feel positive when someone says, good job. And I don't really feel negative when someone says, you're a douchebag with a terrible beard. Like, I, right. I don't really care. I just care that my my puppies love me and that I get to hang with my wife and my family. That, that is you the have most a good important beard. thing. Don't, you have a don't great let beard. Them, great beard, not patchy. I honestly think that that's, yeah. they don't have anything on you on that. They do fear the and beards, baby. Fear the beards. Fear the right beards. Here. George, my final question. Radio, did you set out to become a radio icon? Uh, because you certainly are a radio icon at this point. Was that the goal? Was that your dream? Or was radio just the medium that was perfect for you? 
it, like television, I just kind of fell into it. I didn't know I was a radio icon. I certainly didn't know I was headed toward radio, but uh, I'm, I certainly enjoy doing Coast to Coast a couple times a month. It's a lot of fun. And now Jeremy and I are doing this podcast, which isn't quite radio, but it's, uh, it's radio. a lot of similarities. We're having a lot, a lot of, of similarities. Yeah. That's so cool, though. Yeah, because it and then it just keeps going. So yeah. do you see anything else in your future? Do you feel like you're not going to end up starting going into like celebrity gossip, right? Like, I feel like this is it. Ooh, this is the, yeah. this is the, what, is, what are they doing? I mean, we're going to cover a lot of things on the show because, you know, we have other interests outside of UFOs. It always, yeah, sure. you know, pulls you back into UFOs. But, you know, yes. we're going to talk about cinema and art and philosophy. We have some guests coming up that are really outside of that box. I mean, of course, we always come to them with, have you seen a UFO and what's your what's yeah. your take on all this? But no, we're having a blast, man. Just, you know, just from a human perspective, I love the fact that I get to work with you know, uh, one of my dearest friends and my mentor in journalism. And we get to do this on a regular basis. Are you fucking kidding me? This is like, for me, it's so fun. It's exhausting, but we're having so much fun. So I yeah. hope that it continues to be fun because we're going to keep doing it. You know, And that's why I've said this before and I'll say it again. The aliens are job creators. <laughs> and that's why we need an alien for president. Um, Jeremy Corbell, George Knapp. Wow. Check out the podcast, Weaponized. Thank you both so much for taking time to be with us today. It's just been an honor to chat with you and very educational. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Great it. Great talking, guys. Thank you so much. Live from your grave. All right, there was our conversation with Jeremy Corbel and George Knapp. That was awesome, bro. Motherfucker's a legend. Yes. George Thank Knapp, you. I he's great. Thank you for putting us in contact too, Henry. You did such a good job. You're you're really climbing up in the UFO community. <laughs> Slowly but surely. You know what it is, is that I feel like because we've talked about this with other ufologists, is they don't want to be made fun of. And I was like, well, at least like we just make fun of ourselves in the yeah. process of doing it. And it's also because we we unfortunately do the reading. Yeah, also by ufology standards, they're tense. They're both quite oh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're, they're incredible. Ten out of ten. Also, George Knapp was a literal like legendary anchor for yes. years so he's got yes he's very handsome yes he is so anyway thank you all so much for listening to this special episode of side stories and uh hope you guys learned a bunch and uh, i'm sure you guys are screaming in your cars as we speak well don't get abducted and be safe out there all right everyone hail yourselves hail satan Magustalage. bye bye This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Fluffy bread, fresh tortillas, classic burger buns, and so many carbs. Carb fear is real. But Hero Bread makes healthier versions of the carb-heavy favorites we love the most. We're talking fewer calories, 0 to 2 grams net carbs, 0 grams of sugar, and seriously great taste. Plus more of the dietary fiber and protein you want. No compromise. Don't skip out on your favorites. Just use Hero Bread. Get 10% off your order at Hero.co with code Hero10 at checkout. That's Hero10 at H-E-R-O dot C-O.